Well, if you haven't been here, this is week two in a series we're in called Game On, um, and we're kind of looking at the life of Daniel. But um, here's what I want to start with. I have a friend who recently was married, a friend from college, he lives in Oklahoma, and uh, recently got married, and he's been astounded lately as to how different real-life marriage is compared to the movies. And he knew, he knew going into the marriage that it wasn't, he knew that the, you know, the movies aren't always terribly accurate. But when two people fall in love on the big screen, it's always like happily ever after and butterflies and roses and uh, you kiss and you fall in love and it's great. I mean, there's always a conflict, but it doesn't matter if it's a romantic comedy or an animated movie. My daughter's five. She loves Tangled. She loves Tangled and she loves Enchanted. Doesn't matter what it is. There's always a conflict, but once that conflict is resolved and that guy and girl or prince and princess, whatever it is, come together, man, at the end, they fall in love. And that's usually how the movie ends. And you don't really see what their life is like together, but it's, it's butterflies and roses. And uh, my friend, um, again, knew it wasn't all butterflies and roses, um, but he was just telling me about this. And he loves being married so much. And him and his wife are just having a blast. They're having a ton of fun together. It's great, not only just, just not being single and dating and doing stuff, but like to be married and to be doing all this stuff. But he told me, how much he's realized that marriage, being married often involves a whole lot of communication. And a lot of times it resorts to this by default. And I know, I know nobody, students, none of you are married. Um, but your parents are, and so you see this at home and that kind of thing. You will apparently, my friend was telling me, often hear comments like this that aren't all bad. It would just be like, hey, babe, you're doing your laundry? Hey, can you do my laundry too? Will you like do my laundry too? Or, uh, hey, it's, uh, it's like beginning to be toward the 15th. Like, you paid all our bills, right? You paid the bills this month. We got to pay that mortgage. Um, they just bought a house right after they were married. Like, what? You d- I mean, he was just like, there's all kinds of stuff. He said this. His wife is like, just, I just kind of like realized how much of a slob he is a little bit. And he was like, hey, did, she said to him, hey, did you just leave hot Cheeto stains on the couch? He's like, I don't rub my hands on the couch, but he's like, I like to eat, mo- uh, eat junk food and watch movies. Hot Cheeto stains, I think was the quote from him. And I was like, really? That sounds disgusting. Like, that's gross. You just, like, you're, you are gross. Like, you're disgusting. You'll meet weird people in college, I guarantee it. But we're in a relationship. There's just a ton of stuff that you need to communicate about. But what he discovered was that he and his wife need times when they simply exist with one another, when they simply sit together and just are together and are enjoying each other's company, and it's not all like, what are we having for dinner tonight? Oh, you didn't start dinner? I thought you were starting dinner. You, you thought I was starting dinner? We got to eat. And They need times when they just simply exist with one another and just enjoy life together. And he said, I'm learning from her that she just needs to hear from me sometimes that I, I love her and maybe get flowers or get simple acts. He goes, I just take that for granted. I'm just like, I we got married. Like, don't you know I love you? I mean, I even say it all the time, but it's not like meaningful, I guess. And he's like, I just got to show her affection. And there's different ways that he feels loved by her as well. Here's the thing. This week, we're going to continue to look at the life of Daniel and, uh, and his relationship with God. And I think what I've just realized was, I feel like a lot of times our relationships with God are a lot like what my friend's been learning about marriage that we're in this relationship with God, maybe. And some of you in here, if you're not a Christian or you don't know Jesus or you're kind of, again, I'm so glad you're here and that's totally fine if that's where you're at right now. But we have this relationship with God and we a lot of times go to God like, hey God, I just, 
will you just do this for me, and I'm in trouble right now in this class at school, and blah, blah, blah. But there's times where we just need to sit and ex- like enjoy our relationship with God and just go, and God sees me as a child. God wants me to spend time with him. You guys, I was wrecked last Thursday, but I, I read, I think it's Psalm 62, Psalm 63. There's a line that just says, God wants you to pour your, pour your heart out to him. I think it said, I mean, it literally says, pour your heart out to me. And I thought, does God really want me to pour out my heart to him? Like, I feel like there's all kinds of stress and stuff in my life, and I go, I don't need a counselor. I just need to pour out my life to, uh, pour out my heart to God. Some of us need to do that. So that's kind of where we're going. This week, as we look into an area of Daniel's life that has a strong, has a very, very strong connection to us, and that is the area of prayer. Prayer. Maybe you saw that coming. Prayer. Now, some of you, you just instinctively, like, dozed off when you heard the word prayer, because that's how you've been trained to, like, your whole life you've gone to church, and you're like, oh, prayer is such a churchy thing. I, I have a relationship with God. I don't pray enough. I get it. But you're just like, I want to tune out. Or some of you maybe thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get prayer. I've been doing it for years. It's pretty simple. God is great. God is good. We thank him for the food. Done. I pray at meal times. I don't know what prayer that you learned. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Something like that. Is that a Catholic thing? Maybe not. I don't know. But you learn these prayers in different traditions. Maybe some of you are totally weren't Christian at all growing up, and you learned some kind of prayer right before bed, and it was like every night, same prayer right before bed. Or maybe you hear the word prayer, and you think, um, I used to do that, Brad. In fact, you, I still come to Oasis, and I like this church thing, but in tribe, there was plenty of times we learned about prayer. But I tried it a number of, a number of times, Brad, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me. Because I prayed that I wouldn't fail Spanish too, but I, I did. So where was that, God? I've, I've, I asked you to not make me fa- fail, and now I'm in Spanish too again. Or um, I really, really wanted a date for homecoming on Saturday, and I got one, but the guy kind of looked like an otter. And he kind of smelled like mustard the whole night, and we didn't eat mustard, and I don't get it. No, but some of you have really legitimate prayers. You say, God, I, I, I asked you to keep my parents together. And they didn't stay together. And I prayed that prayer when I was like six. And you listen to six-year-olds, but my parents didn't stay together. And why not? And why did my grandpa die of cancer? And why does my grandma have cancer right now? And why does my mom have cancer? And I'm praying. And at some point in all of our lives, we wonder, does prayer really work? Like, does it really work? They say it works. There's lots of examples in the Bible of it working, but it doesn't seem to work for me. And so, does prayer really work? If yes, how do I get prayer to work for me? How do I get prayer to work for me? How do I get what I want? And I know instinctively some of you go, yeah, 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 that's the wrong question, though. You're you're not supposed to ask that, and you got to do the strategy right, and you got to, like, think, ask, thank, and then it's fine. But still deep down, we're all like, I still just want to get what I want. Want. And I, I hope that what we may discover tonight through the life of Daniel is a game-changing secret to prayer. And some of it is the fact that we just think prayer is a trick to begin with. That is some kind of magical abracadabra thing. Now, as we said last week, Daniel's story probably isn't going to be like your story. Because if you missed it last week, we said that Daniel was a teenager and his, he was an Israelite and his, he was their country was invaded by the Babylonians, and they were drug out. If you've ever heard the word exile, it just means they were pulled out. The Exodus, uh, second book of the Bible, exile, to leave. I, I don't 
know the background, but exodus or exile means to like leave. They were pulled out of their homeland, taken into captivity. So if you read the book of Daniel, if you've ever heard in the history books, read about the Babylonians and the Assyrians, later on in the book, the Medes and the Persians, maybe you've heard of them, the Medes and the Persians. Um, this is real life history, fifth century. So this is 500 years before Christ came on the scene, around the time this happened. You can read about it in the history books. But that's not anybody, you know, none of us. We said last week, what if China came and invaded America? And hopefully that would never happen. And we were like all pulled away into China, which I don't know how there'd be room for all of us. There wouldn't be, but that would be crazy, right? So we can't exactly relate to Daniel in that sense. But so he's, the the land's invaded and he's taken captive. And somehow Daniel is among kind of the elite of the elite. And he is pulled into this, we said this like slave entourage with, uh, what's the king's name? Anyone remember? King Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar, if you know a king in the Old Testament, maybe you've heard of Nebuchadnezzar, pretty crazy guy, and we'll, we'll read about that in a second. But Daniel is forced with his three friends to, to learn this, a completely new culture, completely new rituals and rules, and he was among, among a people who practiced a very, very different religion than him. So he totally knew, we said last week, the Torah, the, five, the law of Moses, the first five, five books of the law. And if you remember last week, we said, man, Daniel like stood by his commitment to the word of God and to scripture. And we said last week that you grow your faith by applying the Word of God, not just by listening to the Word of God even, not just by reading or knowing the Word of God, but by applying the Word of God, our faith grows. In Daniel, we talked about all those like ritual um, dietary laws. You remember that last week? And he was like, no, I'm not going to defile myself. I'm not going to eat your food. So eventually what happens? At the risk of his life, Daniel stands up to the king. This is all chapter one. This is last week. And the government officials take notice, and eventually at the end of the chapter, the king notices too. And I'm pretty sure that Nebuchadnezzar probably was keeping a very close eye on Daniel. So now this week, this is what we're getting into. I'm going to read starting in chapter 2. So grab your Bibles if you have one, and turn to Daniel chapter 2. I don't know how much time passed between chapter 1 and chapter 2. Couldn't have been long, and yet it seems like long enough that Nebuchadnezzar kind of forgets about how smart Daniel is, that at the end of chapter 1, it says God gives Daniel and his friends wisdom. But here's the thing. In chapter 2, we see another very, very fascinating interaction between King Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel. And this time, the king has a dream. The king has a crazy dream. So quick interlude. How many of you, by a show of hands, are crazy dreamers? And what I mean by that is, okay, time out. My wife has nightmares. Like, not like, wake up screaming and scare the heck out of me and like, not like that bad, but like crazy weird stuff's happening. It's, it's weird. She's never had a crazy, I'm a crazy dreamer. How many of you, like when you dream, it's weird. It's not scary. It's not realistic. It's weird. Anyone? I feel like there's different types of dreamers. I don't know. I've never had a nightmare in my life. Okay. Yeah. A lot of you had your hands up. There's parts of real life. It's always weird. Like, your friends at church or at your school, though, or your friends at school or at your, the house you grew up in, but you don't, I don't know. I'll never forget, you guys, one, this is one dream, I think I was in middle school or uh, high school, I was at a picnic table at a friend's house in the country, and uh, this animated elephant literally comes up to the table, starts drinking blue Kool-Aid, blue Kool-Aid, and then everything turns blue, the environment, the air, like everything, I'm just like, everything's blue, and here's this elephant. And he was animated. And then an orangutan came out of nowhere, a monkey, and started dancing on the table. I remember it so vividly. It's the one that I just quote them. And I have all kinds of weird dreams. 
I know that's just like dumb. The king has crazy dreams. Daniel 2, and uh, man, just dreams are so weird. But in this story, here's the thing. Again, 5th century B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar has a, such a strange dream that in the middle of the night, he, just, he wakes up, goes, that was crazy, and goes, bring all my wise men. Like, gather everyone here. I want to know what's going on. And it's so crazy that he wants all of his wise men to tell him what he dreamt about. And they're like, they're like, yeah, just tell us the dream and we'll interpret it. I mean, he wanted to know the meaning of it. But Nebuchadnezzar is so crazy that he goes, no, no, I'm not going to tell you what I even dreamt. I want you to tell me what I dreamt. And I'm not going to just talk about it. Let's read it because it's so funny. He's like, you tell me or I will cut you up into pieces. Like, he's, this guy's a psychopath, all right? Psycho, follow along. Look at this. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. I don't know how he forgot about Daniel. Like, Daniel's a pretty smart dude. Not a lot of time has elapsed, I guess. Second year. Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled. Follow along here. And he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, said, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. And he says this, the king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your house is turned into piles of rubble. Like what a crazy, and they, they like let him have it too. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and, re- and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more, they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. And get this, this is like, this is funny. This made me laugh out loud in my office this week. Then the king answered, I'm certain that you're trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I've firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there's just one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. Isn't that hilarious? So then tell me the dream and I will, I will, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers, get this, answered the king, there's not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they don't live among men. This, this, made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death And men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. So that's crazy too, right? Daniel and three friends. What were the friends' names? They weren't given those names yet, but well, I guess the king renamed them. But yeah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or if you're a VeggieTales fan, it's like Rack, Shack, and Benny or something. They're not even there. And then they're going to be killed. So imagine this. Just imagine like you're sleeping and a government official knocks on your door and is like, yeah, we're going to, let's go to your execution. Yeah, you four. Yeah, you're going to be killed. And you're like, what? I didn't do anything. Sorry, you're, you're part of the wise men. You are one of them. And uh, here's the thing. I would have been like rendered utterly useless at that moment. Like, that's crazy. No, I'm not going. I would have put up a fight. I would have, I don't know what I would have done. Tried to fight the guy or something. Daniel doesn't blink, doesn't get anxious. Um, he in verse 14, we're told that he speaks to this commanding officer with wisdom and tact. He doesn't freak out. He just goes, this is hilarious. Verse 15, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? And the guy explains it to him, and he's like, let me go talk to the king. Now, 
again, I would have never done that, right? The king obviously has had an odd, he's obviously like, it's like talking to your mom late at night, maybe you're late from curfew and she's already popped a Tylenol PM, and you're like, I don't want to talk to you right now. You just don't know what you're going to get, right? You're just trying to explain things, it's midnight. Why would you want to go talk to the king right then? He's going to chop him up into little pieces. Daniel, I mean, I'm like, Daniel, he's going to kill you on the spot, right? But to Daniel, it's game on. It is game on. I'm going to go talk to the king right now. And he does, and he just asks the king for more time. What does it say? At this, Daniel went, verse 16, into the king and asked for more time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Apparently, the king calmed down. Then check this out. Daniel returns to the house and explains the matter to his friends. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah are later renamed, or maybe that was in chapter 1 even, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it says this in verse 18. So what does Daniel do? What if you knew you bought a day, maybe half a day, maybe three hours from this king in this situation? You're going to be killed in the morning. What do you do? Praise, right? He prays. And he says in verse 18, he urged his friends to plead for mercy, to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. This is like some God that came down and just told these laws to Moses, Abraham. Daniel's learned this stuff. But it's not like today, we kind of know the end of the story. Like we have a Savior who died for us, that Jesus came 500 years after this. Daniel doesn't know that yet. And yet he believes strongly enough in this God. He goes, there's only one God that can save us. And then what happens? You know what happens right in the middle of the night? I mean, what does it say? Right in the middle of the night, you guys, God comes through for him. And I know we go, of course, of course, Brad. It's the story in the Bible. God didn't come through for me. We'll get there. During the night, verse 19, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. The mystery was revealed to Daniel in a mission. I can't imagine how grateful you are in that moment that you just go, God, I just believe you're powerful enough. And you've, you've come through for me before, and I don't even, I, was, I read it in books too. I was just born into this culture but God, I believe that there's a God in heaven. All these other cultures were like, like praising all these other gods, multiple gods, idols, all kinds of different, they just believed in all kinds of, of different gods. I mean, you, you heard what the magician said, like, no gods come down and live among men. No, no gods could do that. But Daniel's God answers him. And so I love how Daniel, what he prays. Look at verse 19, end of verse 19, verse 20. Daniel praised the God of heaven, and this is how he prays. And this is what we're studying. This is what we're looking at. He says, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. See, I think this story is so cool because Daniel, we see Daniel demonstrate what it means to have an incredibly big faith, to have an incredible vision of what God can do. He knew he couldn't pull this off on his own. He knew he couldn't do it. He knew he couldn't go back to his friends and be like, all right, guys, 
let's just take the official and then we'll like grab a sword and we'll go into the king. I mean, what was he going to do? He knew we're, we are hopeless unless the God of heaven comes through for us. He knew that there was only one thing he could do. He could pray. He could pray. And here's the thing. The other thing that Daniel does is he walks fairly into a like, crazy situation. I mean, even the night before he approaches the king, how, where, do you, where does that courage come from? Where do you get that kind of courage? I literally, I would just, I don't know, I would have been shaking in my boots like, wow, dang it, I'm going to die. I'm just going to die. I just would have gone with him. Where does this kind of courage come from? Daniel, you guys, is absolutely certain in God's power. He's absolutely certain in God's wisdom. Now, he didn't know that God was going to give him a dream that night. Later on, I think next week or in two weeks, we see, I mean, Daniel says, even if God doesn't save us, I'm still not going to worship you. I'm still not going to do what you tell me to do. But he knew if I wanted to save my, if he, he wanted to save their lives and, the, and all these other wise men, he needed to pray. Daniel has confidence not in getting what he wants, but in the God that he prays to. What I'm saying is he doesn't start, I mean, the, the thing Daniel doesn't do is he doesn't just go like, hey, thanks for that, God. And now on to my, here's the rest of my list. Um, will you get me that like high-speed chariot that, I, that the king has? And in fact, God, will you make me king at some point? I want that. What else do I want? I want a, I want a wife. I want a beautiful woman or something. Um, he starts just by praising God. How often do we start like that? Okay, for one, how often do we even pray? Besides like before meals or some rote thing like on the way to school in the morning. How often do we even pray? But when we do do we really, I mean, honestly, I've really enjoyed, I mean, the first couple of weeks Eli Chase was here leading worship, I just go, he's just, you know, he's just telling God how good God is. I usually start that way because I feel like I was taught that in church. Oh yeah, you're supposed to start with praise, and then you get onto your stuff, and then God will give you what you want because you did it in the right order, maybe. Um, Daniel was certain, he knew that God was absolutely capable of doing this. And that's a, big, that's a big deal. So the focus of Daniel's, Daniel's prayer wasn't about what he wanted God to do. It was more about who God was. Sure, he got to, at the end of the prayer, he got to thanking God. He said, God, thanks. Thank you. I thank you. I praise you because you revealed this dream to me. He gets there. He gets to his stuff. But it wasn't, it wasn't the whole thing. Here's the big idea. So write this down. If you write anything else down, if you have any more room, I know I didn't put an outline tonight. Prayer is about knowing someone, not about getting something. Prayer is so simple, but we really, really, we just so often forget it. Prayer is about knowing someone. It's not about getting something. Now again, it's totally fine. I'm not saying you don't ask God for requests, but the whole point of prayer It's just that we can know him, that we can have fellowship with God, that we can have a relationship with him. That the whole way you even start a relationship with God is, at least the prayer is a way to express that. The prayer is just expressing the, you know, how you feel in your heart. It's just talking. And it's great to ask God for requests and to ask God for things. But he's not a genie in a bottle. I say that all the time. God is not a genie in a bottle that grants you wishes. And quite honestly, I mean, that is maybe why prayer doesn't work sometimes. James says it's because we ask with wrong motives. And so, but some of it is like, do we even care about God? Or do we just want stuff? 
So prayer is about knowing someone, not getting something. I mean, when I think back to the prayers that I prayed in high school, I'll tell you what, they didn't sound this eloquent, okay? Don't read the Bible and go, well, I just can't pray like that. Or like, I never want to pray out loud when I'm around people because it might sound stupid. God doesn't care about your words. Like, try sometime before mealtime. I mean, maybe you have parents that could care less about God. I don't know. And you go, hey, can I pray for this food? Like, can I just thank God for the food? God doesn't care what words you use. My prayer probably sounded more like a nursery rhyme than this prayer of Daniel's. I mean, this is pretty eloquent. But you know, God doesn't care about words. He tells us that in Matthew 5. We don't have to keep babbling on. Just tell God your heart. Just pour your heart out to him. Um, I love one more thing. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 3.20, I think this is on the screens, that later on in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says this, Ephesians 3 verse 20, Paul says, Now to him, to him, to God, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, that if God is actually God who created everything, all things, Every part of us, every human on this earth, which I can't even fathom, knit us together in our mother's wombs, Psalm says. He could do immeasurably more than we even imagine he can do. So before we get to application, let me ask you, like, are you in love with God? Or really, if you're really honest with yourself, do you just want stuff? Do you really want God? Do you just want heaven? Do you just... You just want stuff. Are you praising God for his power and his might? And are you praying big, bold prayers that only God can answer? I mean, sometimes you guys were so vague in our prayers that even if they would get answered, we wouldn't know it. We're not being specific. We're not praying big prayers. We're not praying for our friends to get saved from hell, to come to know Christ, to find the author of life and the one true God. Here's what I'm used to, even in my own life. I've been guilty of this plenty of times. God, if you would just get me out of this ticket, I can't believe I was speeding. I can't believe I got pulled over. God, if you would just get me out of this ticket, I guarantee you I'll read the Bible every day. We make bargains with God. I guarantee you I'll go to church every Sunday if you'll just get me through this one thing. Or God, help me not fail this class. Because here's why, God, because I really don't want to retake it. I just hate this class. And God, I haven't talked to you forever. But will you please just get me through this class? And we're just like, I don't know you. I don't care about you. But I heard about prayer once, and so I treat you like a genie. Uh, in order for us to pray big prayers, we need to have big faith. And Daniel gives us just a little indicator in this passage into what it looks like to have big faith. Because Daniel makes it less about getting something from God, and he takes, he takes us out of the driver's seat. And he says, God's the driver. And so even, I'm not going to read all the rest of the chapter. When he gets there, I love this one verse, so let me just highlight this. Hmm, where is it? Oh, King says, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Finally gets Daniel alone says, Daniel, are you able to tell me my dream and to interpret it? And Daniel replies, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner, can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. And kind of in that phrase, he goes, and I can't either. But he says, but there's a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. 
So I love that. Even in public, he doesn't go, yeah, yes, I can. I'm the man. I'm Daniel. No, he's humble. He goes, I'll tell you what, even I can't do it. But last night in a dream, I don't even, God, the God, the one true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is amazing. And he answered my prayer last night. Here's some applications. How do we apply this? Number one, avoid anyone named Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> All right? Let's pray. No, um, four things. And I don't know anyone named, sorry if your name is Nebuchadnezzar and you're here tonight. Number one, and don't write these down because they're way too long. Think about them. Okay, they're all going to be on the screens. Number one, stop seeing the result you want as the sole purpose of prayer. Stop seeing the result you want as the sole purpose of prayer. God wants us to pray for things, but that's not, that's, that's not the main point of prayer. These are so long, I can't even, I don't have them memorized, so I'm reading what I have in my notes here. God wants us to pray for things, but that's not the main point of prayer. He does want you to. I mean, in Matthew 5, he does say, like a child asking for stuff from his father, so ask for things. But that's not the main point of prayer. Number two, start acknowledging who God is with no ulterior motives. Start acknowledging who God is with no ulterior motives, meaning pray when you have nothing to ask God for at all. Just go, God, I just, I'm so glad I have a relationship with you. I'm so glad that I feel like my eternity is secure. I'm so glad that I can pour out my heart to you and I know that you hear me. And I don't feel you sometimes and I can't see you and I don't understand that and it's crazy. But the Bible says, and I just know. And there's thousands and thousands of years of history in this book that I trust. When you taste awesome food, thank God for taste buds. When you like hear or see creativity, praise God for that. When you hear amazing music, thank God for that. Here's another one. Start praying like you believe that God is actually able to do what you're asking him to do. Pray like he's able, even though he may not say yes to your prayer, okay? There's still, there's a big difference there. Are you praying like he is able because he is able and I always, I think I said last year, we would always ask for what God would have given us if we knew everything that God knows. He has a totally different perspective. He sees down the timeline of, of the future. We have no idea what else is coming. We have no idea why he gives us the things he gives us sometimes. Or why he doesn't answer the prayers that we have. I gotta keep moving. Number four, stop making God's answers, or probably more so lack of answers, the condition for your belief in him. Just because God doesn't answer your prayer the way you, you wanted him to, doesn't mean that he doesn't exist. Doesn't mean he doesn't care about you. See, some of you, honestly, there's just enough of your friends that say, I'm an atheist, that you go, eh, maybe, I, maybe I will be too. Because I prayed that prayer once and God didn't answer it. That's not, this is not how God works. You, you're gonna have time. There's, here's the thing, I'm out of time. You guys, Jesus had a prayer turned down. Have you thought about that? Jesus had a prayer turned down. Jesus in the garden, the night before, in the morning, he gets nailed to a cross for our sins. And he goes, Lord, if you would be willing, would you let this, this cup pass from me? If there is any other way, Lord, would you let this cup pass from me? And he had a prayer turned down. Jesus did. But you know how he ends the prayer? He ends by saying this, but God, not my will your will. And if you don't understand that kind of language, he says, but God, not what I want, what you want. And ultimately, I think he knew, I know why I have to do this. 
I'm dying for the sins, the past, present, and future of the entire world. God, I know I have to do this. So maybe you just pray the simple prayer, God, I want what you want for me. This week, you guys, take some time to evaluate what prayer means to you. Wrestle with the question, what is prayer? What is it for? Is he just a genie in a bottle? Or is it about allowing God to grow your faith as you pray? It's about a relationship. Prayer is more about knowing someone than getting something. And I hope that as you start to see prayer, you guys, the way that Daniel sees prayer, you'll start to see God the way that Daniel sees God. And he's a big God. And he cares about you. Let's pray. God, make that truth real to our hearts tonight. That God, some of us, life is so messy and so junky and so messed up. And God, some of us, even as we approach maybe a long weekend, God, there's just so much stuff we still have to do. God, we're burdened. We're stressed. God, I pray that as that psalm says, we would run to you and pour our heart out to you. God, that we'd approach you like a friend, like a father. God, not like a genie in a bottle. Because, God, it's more about knowing you than it is about getting stuff. So, God, give us the faith that Daniel had. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The year is 1940. And something isn't right.